0: Well good morning everybody. Uh, Good to see every one of you here on this uh, first week in September as we kind of launch back in. September is kind of like a uh, second new year for us. Uh, Whether or not you were sending little ones or big ones back to school or um, grandkids back to school, it still kind of marks a shift, not only from summer to fall, but uh, the start of football season, the start of, you know, kind of getting back into the swing of things. you know it really kind of serves as like a reset for us um, here in September, and uh, in a few minutes we're going to receive communion, but uh, first of all, let me just reiterate something that Jack said, if you can in any way show support to uh, Stephanie and Denise and and their family uh, this week, maybe drop a card or if you can swing by Tuesday night or Wednesday, um, their family has has been you know engaged and involved in the life of St. John's and then specifically. Uh, the number of babies that Denise has held, and um, the number of babies that Stephanie takes care of in the church office—that's that, no. Sorry, that's a little. Um, um, th- their work and investment inside of our church is um, invaluable, and so we just hurt with them. And um, anyway, you know that we can surround them this week and um, be a part of that. Just want to encourage you um, to do so. But i um, are going to receive communion in just a couple of moments, and kind of end our service there, and try to even allow some space and some time uh, for that. But I I think it's interesting that as we kind of kick off really this, you know, second half of the year and get back to things in September, it also happens to be a uh, month uh, where we receive communion when we're not in the middle of a sermon series. And so we typically take communion on the first Sunday of the month. And, uh, you know, that happens roughly 11 out of 12 months. Uh, Some, you know, times there's something going on where we miss particular month, but usually the first Sunday of the month. And it almost always falls within a series. And we kind of own that and step right into that and say that uh, no matter what we are preaching on, we should be one or two sentences away from tying it into the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in other words, if we're in the middle of a series and there is something that is a mile away from being able to transition into communion, we're probably a little bit off base in where we are going inside of that series. And so, in most uh, times, we could be in a series, you know, in the Ten Commandments, or we could be in in a series, you know, talking about, um, you know, families, or talking about the mess inside of life, or even talking about Christmas. And, you know, we bridge the gap and end a service with communion. But, um, One or two or maybe three times a year, we have the opportunity just to center our thoughts around and in communion itself on that particular week because we're not in a series. And so that's what I want us uh, to do today for just a couple of minutes as we kind of launch into uh, September to think about the reality and if there were a title for uh, the message it's wounds that heal and then specifically uh, his wounds can make a difference inside of my woundedness. His wounds, uh, the great exchange of the gospel is that the wounds of a Savior uh, are available to and active in and make a difference in my woundedness. And so as we think about that, I want to take us through a couple of different uh, scripture passages uh, that kind of prepare us for communion uh, today. And the first is inside of uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where he says this, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ. And is not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. And a couple of thoughts there, this idea of, you know, we are many, but yet we are one, uh, describes the unity that is ours inside of the gospel, that in, inside of what Jesus has done for us, He has made a way for a church to be one, for a people to be one. Even though there is diversity, there could be unity. But I think it also extends, particularly when we think about communion, particularly when we think about the cross, that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And so whether you have had the best week of your life or the worst week of your life, or you can't even remember what you did on Tuesday, we need Jesus this morning. Whether or not there are seven zeros at the end of your bank account or whether all you see is zeros in your bank account, we still need Jesus. Whether or not you've been a Christian for, you know, 55 years or whether you are not sure what you believe and you're here because somebody drugged you here this morning, the reality is there is a grace that's available to us. There is a, an accessibility, but there's even a oneness that we all come to Jesus, we all come to the cross on the same footing, on the same level ground. And so Paul says, you know, that we, um, though we are many, we are one, but he says, when we think about the bread that reminds us of the body of Christ on the cross, it's an invitation to participate in what he has done for you. And he says, and when we think about the cup, Even when we do this, is this not an invitation to participate in the blood of Christ? Now, think about it. There is nothing that we can do, nor should we even entertain the thought that somehow I can add to what Jesus has already done. There is nothing that I could do to change, nor should I, the meaning of what this is. There's nothing I can say or do, nor should I, to take away from Or alter what this is. So what does Paul mean then when he says that when we talk about the bread and we receive the bread, it's an invitation to participate in his body. And and what does it mean that when we share together the cup, it's an invitation to participate in that? Not that we can somehow add to what was done because the Christian faith hinges not on a belief or not on a moral code, but on a set of events that took place 2,000 years ago that he really did come, that he really did die, that he really did rise from the dead. And our faith is rooted on historical events that took place, not just a hope or a dream or a wish or a religious system. And so if this is complete in and of itself, Paul says, though, you still have the opportunity to participate in it. Now, I want to remind you that if you turn the page back inside of Corinthians, you know that he is also correcting ways that they have abused or misused the Lord's Supper. Because when they come and gather, there are some people that would exclude others from participating. There are are others who would get drunk off the wine or not eat all day and just come and and eat all the the church's food. and, and, And they were talking about this in such a way as to not misuse or handle inappropriately the bread and the cup. But he even adds to that and he says, but you are invited to participate in it. Not that we can add to it or change it or shift it or that God needs our help in communicating this. But the reality that when you are in Christ, you participate inside of what he is doing in the world. Because even though what's been done for you once and for all is the foundation of your faith. You have the opportunity each and every day of your life to live in such a way that this makes a difference inside of who you are and how you live and the decisions you make and the way in which you give your life away, that your life is not about you, but you've been bought with a price. When you begin to live out your life in in, in such a way, this becomes not just a religious ceremony or form that we go through or even just a nice, friendly reminder. But this becomes an invitation to participate in God's redemption of the world. In my life, but also through my life. So Peter picks up a, the similar concept in the second chapter of First Peter. When he says, to this you were called, because, you, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Earlier in the letter, Peter reminded the church that uh, that Jesus was the the cornerstone of the church, but that they also were called to be living stones, that the work of what God was doing, the church that God was building involved the work that they could become living stones, part of what God was doing to build his kingdom inside of the world. And as Living Stones, he says that you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people that belong to God that you might declare his praises, the one who called you from darkness into light. And it's after that, he says, you know, you've been called to this, to surrender your lives, every aspect of who you are. And in this, then, we follow in his steps, that the pattern Jesus gave us, informs the pattern of how we live, that the way he laid his life down affects how we live and how we ought to lay our lives down, that you've been invited to be a participant. You've been invited to follow in his steps. And it comes back again to these words that we pick up, and we're going to read them where Peter quotes them from, from out of the book of Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. This idea of the wounds of our Savior. Isaiah chapter 53. But he was despised and rejected by man, A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the the iniquity of us all. Isaiah, hundreds of years before Christ, lays out again this this pattern of God that was going to be there, that one would come uh, not just to accomplish something inside of an event or a set of events, but also leave a pattern of how life works best, of what it means, uh, of the potential of what God can do, but also what he's invited us to participate with him in. That his wounds affect our woundedness. That his wounds not just 2,000 years ago, we're not just that point in time where we uh, knelt and asked Jesus inside of our heart, but ongoing inside of the Christian life, there's a great exchange in the gospel that says, if you come unto me, there's enough inside of my wounds to satisfy your deepest woundedness. And so I want us to think about that as we prepare for communion. The old hymns, you know, talk about that there is a fountain that's filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners who are plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. See from his head, his hands and his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ere such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? Five bleeding wounds he bears received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They cry out for you and for me. There are wounds that heal. And just as we've been invited to participate in uh, this aspect, one of the ways that we understand communion and and prayer and and some of these other aspects of the Christian faith is that they are are means of grace. They are channels by which we experience the grace of God. That if you experience God's grace in the daily aspects of your life and in just the the mundane and the ministry of presence and, and the conversations here or there, there are some places where the sprinkle of God's grace becomes like Uh, like the hose nozzle is turned on full blast, that inside of these means of grace there, there are places, there are intersection points where the road that I'm on and the path that I'm on and the things that I'm experiencing, there can be an intersection where God's grace meets me right there. Now we talked about this a little bit in the God Moment series, that you can't plan for those events. We cannot just snap our fingers and say, you know, God, I want an extra dose of your grace and I want it here at, you know, 1120 in the morning on September 5th, 2021. Thanks. But he's promised inside of his word to meet us and down through the history of the church that, you know, Paul wants to remind us that this is a participation. Peter reminds us that we can follow in his steps because by his wounds we are healed and so I don't know if we can plan it and declare it and just say, you know, God, you're going to show up and, and, and fix everything inside of my life. But I think he has promised to meet us when we come that in the fullness of what we bring. There can be an intersection of the fullness of who he is. And his wounds can make a difference inside of my woundedness. Three areas uh, that I want to talk through just real quick. Um. And you could preach this part of the sermon. This is not something that is rocket science, but I think it's something that we need to be reminded of. That his wounds heal our relationship with him. And I'm going to, you know, go back to all three. Second, that his wounds bring healing to my life or to our lives. And that his wounds allow me to be a wounded healer. And so these kind of three layers that I just want to kind of talk about just really as an introduction for us uh, to communion in a couple of minutes. His wounds heal our relationship with him. That where there was once, wounds would signify defeat and sorrow and brokenness. Yet inside of him, the wounds become the means of joy and of healing and of victory. Paul reminds us in Ephesians that once we were foreigners and aliens and cut off and far from God, but we've been brought near through his blood. That there could be a fellowship inside of his suffering. And so the reality is that today could be a day of salvation. And whether you have, you know, been around church things a lot or not, or fully understand all this or not, or your life has been saturated in it, but you've never come to the place of making a decision. Even as we receive communion, today could be a beginning of a relationship with him or a restoration or, of a relationship with him or maybe even a closing of a distance. Because if we live in relationship with God, it's possible for all of our relationships to grow distant or even a little bit cold over time. And I wonder if one of the the meanings of a means of grace is that when our lives are are funneling along like this, there could be an intersection of the grace of God to take what was far off and bring it near and to establish or reestablish or deepen a relationship with him. And so in just a couple minutes, even as you take a piece of bread and a cup, there's the opportunity for where there once was not a relationship or a distanced relationship for you to leave here in a close personal relationship with your God because that's what he's made available and what his wounds make possible for you. But you know, his wounds also bring healing to my life. And so that when you bow and you give your heart to Jesus, it's not just, okay, that's fine, all your problems are solved. Or you bow and give your heart to to Jesus and he says, okay, that's good, you're going to have a place with me in eternity now, just do the best you can between now and then. But that his wounds want to bring healing to the broken places inside of your life. And so it means the places where you are going through a valley where there is loneliness or brokenness. Or depression or anxiety, or there's been a moment of failure, or there's anxiety over potential failure, or there's been a break in relationship. Whatever wound it is that we carry into worship today, and, and trust you, trust me, when you look around you, every person you see here today has brought some wound into worship. Maybe it's just something that they care for somebody else and the burden that they carry. Maybe it's something that they feel like they've got mostly under control, but trust me, we all have something going on, something in our bodies, something in our relationships, a wound that we bring. And I believe there's still enough in the grace of who Jesus is to make a difference inside of the current woundedness I struggle with. It doesn't mean if you pray enough times, it's all going to go away. It doesn't mean if you just really believe in Jesus, you're not going to have any problems. What it does mean, though, is that there's enough inside of his wounds to make a difference in and to meet me right in the middle of my current wound. And the third thing I think we need to consider is, in the midst of all that, he wants to make us to be wounded healers. Your greatest contribution in life may not come through your strengths or the things that you've done perfectly or the things that you've never struggled with. Your greatest impact is, you know, the place where you really messed up or got it wrong or struggled or the difficult season or the thing that wasn't so great. The grace of God would be so evident in that that people would see Christ in you more in your weakness than in your strength. And so in his novel, A Farewell to Arms, Ernest Hemingway said that the world breaks everyone, but afterward many are strong even at the broken places. And so you've, you've got a story to tell and a testimony of God's goodness that met you in the midst of brokenness and woundedness. You've heard the name of uh, Desmond Tutu, Bishop Desmond Tutu from South Africa. Was a leader during you know kind of the apartheid era and at one point as an introduction to communion he said many christians will go as far as to approach the cross at communion but he says if we've been invited to take up our cross and follow him i wonder if we need to pursue not just to the base of the cross but to actually climb up on the cross and experience in whatever way that we can what our savior experienced But more so than that, get a vantage point of what Jesus saw as he hung there. Because the invitation to communion is not just an invitation to come and receive. That is wonderful, that is miraculous, that is life-changing. But the invitation of communion is to also climb up upon that cross as a way in which to see who Jesus died for and why Jesus died for them. And the difference then that that makes for how I live. And so you have the opportunity to be somebody that even through your wounds, somebody else finds healing. Because you've told the story of coming through the situation you came through. That you give testimony to a God who stepped in inside of your darkest moment. You serve in areas where you don't feel comfortable and somebody says, Well, if they can do children's ministry, then I I think I can step in and help. And even through your weaknesses or your insecurities, Jesus can be glorified and other people might meet him in a new way because of what they see inside of your life. So let me ask you as we prepare for communion, the table is open this morning. You don't have to be a, a member of the church to receive communion, but rather the intent of your heart is to follow after him. Let me just ask you, what wound do you carry into worship today? Where is the place where your heart hurts the most? Where is the place where your mind is the most anxious? What's the thing inside of your life that you try to keep hidden from everybody else? Because I think as you all came in this morning, there were very few... Open, accessible visible wounds to everybody else. We're pretty good at being able to find where I need to to wear a longer sleeve or what I need to keep covered up, but the reality is we bring something into worship today and whether that's a lack of relationship or a relationship that's grown distant with our Heavenly Father or whether it's something that we struggle with that we continue to carry each and every day inside of our lives. Or whether it's even just wondering, God, how can you possibly use me at this season of life where maybe I can't do the things that I used to do for whatever reason? Inside of his wounds, we find healing today. I think if we're willing to take off the bandage or the covering... And allow him to see what he knows exists anyway and that he has the capacity to do something about. So I pray that that happens whether inside of your seat or as you're standing in line or as you're kneeling at the altar or as you're on your way home today. That through his wounds, our wounds might find healing. Let's pray together. Father, inside of the remaining uh, moments of our service... We pray that you would meet us. Lord, even inside of the wounds that we carry this morning, Lord, we confess this morning even when we can't understand it or we don't see it, but there is enough in you to accomplish whatever concerns us today. That there is enough inside of your death and your resurrection to meet the broken and the dying places within me. That there's enough inside of your grace to cover even the places where I feel deficient or lacking today. And so Father, inside of our relationships with you, inside of the the things we carry around and even inside of the impact that you desire us to have, I pray that you would meet us here in these moments. We invite you to come for you to do what only you can do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.